Welcome to the Kesset Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to kessetchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Welcome and good morning to you all. Pastor Chris here. Uh, hi to everyone on KesedOnline.com and also on Facebook. I am normally with you there on Sunday mornings, but I'm up here. So I want to say thank you to Pastor Keith and Aaron for hosting the service today. I'm excited to share with you. Before we get into the message, though, this is Memorial Day weekend. Now, this is a different rhythm than any of us have experienced for this holiday before, but that does not mean that we won't show it the respect and honor that it deserves. So let's begin our message today with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we remember the many brave men and women who have served and given their lives throughout the history of our country to protect us from danger and harm. We remember all those who sustained injury, who have lost their lives in the course of their service. And Lord, we salute all those who serve in the military. Bless the families of our fallen troops and fill their homes and their lives with your strength and with your peace. Amen. Amen. I'm excited to share with you guys today. Last week, we wrapped up our series, We the Church. And over the last season, we have focused on the fruits of the Spirit. And the reason we did that was, in this time of turmoil, in this time of unknown and change, we wanted to fix our eyes to what God is doing in our midst. And the fruits of the Spirit are evidence of God working inside of us. And so we talked through those, and those have been a great experience for us. We know, though, that... God is working in our midst every single day, all day, even if we see it or if we don't see it. One of my favorite quotes is by Louis uh, Giglio, and he says this, Even if we don't see it, God is always working underneath the surface, behind the scenes, and orchestrating his plans and his purposes. Now, as Christ followers, we trust this and we believe this. God is moving in our midst. Some of the things we're aware of and some we aren't aware of. Now, in this time of COVID, I've been kind of processing this week a little bit. And if you've ever taken a flight across the country, you know that at some point in the journey, someone's going to get onto the intercom and they're going to say something like, we're going to begin our descent. Now, I don't know when things are going to change and I don't know how they're going to change. But to me, it feels a little bit like, at least in phase one that we've been experiencing, we're beginning our descent. We're not there yet, but we're beginning our descent out of that experience. And anytime we have a change or a transformation like this, I think it's really important to step back a little bit and just wonder what God is doing. And so what I want to do is ask you a question, right? Trusting and knowing that God has not been absent over the last couple of months, over these really extraordinary times, that he has been working and moving and molding and shaping and guiding us, right? So my question for you is, what has God been up to specifically in you? Right? The God that is not absent, that is, that is always speaking into our lives, speaking love and grace, what has he been up to specifically in you? What has he revealed? 
One of the blessings I get is to interact with so many in our community on a weekly basis, right now through Zoom or phone calls. And as I hear your stories, uh, one of the things that I'm seeing revealed is that we are experiencing kind of a shared weariness and tiredness right now. We've been in this place for some time. We want out of it and we don't have clarity as to when it will change. And so we're experiencing a weariness and a tiredness. Now, I know God is moving in the midst of that. And anytime that we're tired and weary, we, our job as Christ followers is to turn and say, this isn't new to Jesus. This is a brand new experience for us. But, but humanity going through hard times and experiencing extraordinary circumstances, this is not new to Jesus. And he has something to say about it. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, it says this. And then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. And when we talk about burdens here, I want you to not just think about the negative, but also of responsibility. And Jesus is speaking to a community of people and recognizing that they're walking in and they're carrying a heaviness and burdens from their culture, from their lives. And that sounds a lot like what we're experiencing right now. Weary and heavy burden seems like an accurate, accurate description of our times right now. Jesus gave, and I don't know if you noticed it or not, but he gave a four-word invitation in the middle of his last statement. He said these words, let me teach you. He said, let me teach you. He recognized he could see the people that had worries and anxieties and stresses and responsibilities, both externally and internally. He recognized them and he said, I can see that you're carrying that and you're carrying too much. What I would like to do is teach you what to carry and how to carry it. But recognize that this was an invitation. It wasn't a command. Jesus is acknowledging that we have a choice in the matter. And I think that these words are so timely for right now. That it, it's not hard to pick up some new burdens each and every day to carry that makes it a little bit heavier and a little bit heavier and a little bit heavier and makes us less loving and less gracious and less kind. What I want to talk about today is how we let Jesus teach us, right, how to carry the burdens that we have. First of all, though, I want to share a story with you. So one of the big changes that's happened in uh, our lives recently in our family is we had a little boy, Owen, in January. And he has just turned four months old. A big part of his life has been lived during this pandemic, all right? And his little infant self is just happy as can be. But one of the things that we have enjoyed during this time when we don't have as much freedom as we want is that he and I go for a walk every single morning, right? And we go pretty early, about 
8.30 or so in the morning. Uh, it's an opportunity to get outside and hear the birds and give mom a little bit of a break. And we take like a 30 or 40 minute walk or so uh, around the neighborhood. And we have loved this time, right? I, I like getting out. Sometimes I'll listen to a podcast. Sometimes I'll just listen to the birds and breathe the fresh air. And it's a good start to the day, this, these crazy days that we've been experiencing. Now, most of the time when we get on this walk, we take the same route pretty much every day, and we get halfway through, and that's about when Owen falls asleep, right? There was one particular day that that's not what happened. One of the days, about halfway through, his four-month-old self started to voice his displeasure as to being in the stroller, Right now, uh, I have a 10 year old, so I have some dad tricks that I started to use along the way. And so I started to do my dad trick stuff and I started to give him a couple of toys. I started to um, make faces at him and make sounds with him, but he was not having it. Right. He, and his voice started to get louder and louder and louder. Right. And I my last dad trick, he has this little rattle that's his favorite little toy. And I gave it to him. And at this point, he's upset. Right. He's upset and he's yelling at the top of his lungs. Mind you, again, this is before seven o'clock in the morning in the middle of my neighborhood. And I give him his little rattle and his four month old self grabs this little rattle, looks me right in the eyes furrows his brow and just takes it and throws it out of the stroller. So I have to grab this rattle now and I'm not certain what to do. At this point, he's screaming. Every time I start to push the stroller, he screams, so I get him out. Not supposed to do this when you're on a walk, but I get him out. And the problem is if I start to walk or move, he starts screaming and I'm 15 minutes from home or so. So at this point, I decide we're just gonna have to do this and I put him back in the stroller and he is screaming at a crazy level at this point. As I'm putting him in back in the stroller, I look and I see that there's a neighbor that comes and opens her shades to look in and she makes eye contact with me as well. And she has a look on her face that says, do you know what time it is? My look on my face very much said, I do know what time it is, thank you very much. And at this point I felt all this rush of anxiety and stress and worry and embarrassment and condemnation and judgment, everything go inside of me. I buckled him in and you know what I did? I literally just started running. All I knew is I didn't want to be there. So I started running through my neighborhood and I'm 15 minutes from home. My son is screaming at the top of his lungs and I'm very aware that I, as we go along, I'm waking everyone up in the neighborhood. I ran and I ran and I ran and every once in a while he would stop screaming and I would slow down and as soon as I slowed down again, he would start screaming again. So I had to run all of the way home and as soon as I got in front of my next door neighbor's house, my son fell asleep. Now, I share this story with you because it really affected me. Like I felt all these emotions and all these anxieties and all these fears and it became really clear that this little boy is on his own time. And I, all of a sudden I was fearing the, feeling this angst that I should be able to do something about this. That I'm a bad father and I should have more control over this situation. And I realized that Every single day, this is what we experience. And, and parents, you, you tell me if you've experienced anything like this, that we set out with our best of intentions, no matter what, into our circumstances of life, and we encounter 
a situation like this and it knocks us off where we want to go. And as we go, we grab new burdens. As we go, we grab new anxieties. As we go, we grab new fears. As we go, we grab new frustrations. And the place that we started, I started my day taking a beautiful walk with my infant son and I ended up sprinting through my neighborhood so stressed. And here's the thing, Jesus recognizes that about humanity, that this is our everyday, that every single experience we have from coworkers, from our traffic to drives to our kids to teaching our kids at home right now, it's madness. And we have this tendency as human beings to grab new burdens and heap them on our shoulders. And by the end of the day, by the end of the week, there's a weariness and a stress and a weight to us that we don't know how to unpack. And what Jesus says to us is, I recognize that's a part of life. And I would like to teach you how to move through that in a way that you don't end the week uh, crumpled over, right? That you continue to stay a loving person. I started the walk with the best of intentions, and I ended it with extra burdens. And there's a problem with that, and Jesus knows this. In Galatians 6, 2, it says that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. See, we're not built to build, to carry extra burdens because Jesus is calling us into his rescue project for this world, his redemption project of our humanity and our community. And so we need some margin in our lives to where we can carry some of the burdens for the people around us. But if we are just continually adding stress and anxiety into our lives, then we don't have any margin for anyone else. We need Jesus to teach us how to move through this to when we grab extra things and have stressful experiences, how do we unpack them? How do we get rid of them? One of the ways that Jesus is continually teaching me how to do this is through community. Uh, community helps us to see community that is devoted to one another. And I've been blessed over this time to have been a part of a couple of groups through Zoom, uh, something I don't know if I ever would have wanted to be a part of, but they have been absolutely a blessing in my life. And we have gathered together and we have wrestled over the scriptures and shared stories and shared lives together. And one of the things we did was a few weeks ago, we encountered this video that was uh, just speaking wisdom, speaking about the rhythm in which Jesus is inviting us into and how we walk through the stresses and the burdens of life and how we allow what God is doing and how we let go of the things that he doesn't have for us. And so I wanted to share that with you uh, this morning as well. Descension seems like losing. I thought we're supposed to ascend. Well, I, you know, I don't know how you ascend if you don't have a place to ascend from. There's, there's no such thing as ascending and ascending and ascending and ascending. So, you know, Richard Rohr teaches that we don't, we don't need to have a new pattern. There's only one, he says. And that pattern is the Paschal mystery. As Christians, we know that that means living and dying and rising. I'm sure other faith beliefs have the exact same pattern. And I just don't know the exact language for that. And so uh, I suspect that we oversimplified maybe years ago 
living, dying, and rising, and kind of made up that you do each one of those things one time. And living, dying, and rising is all day, every day. And you know, there are whole denominations in Christian understanding who only want to focus on rising and whole denominations who only want to focus on dying. And some who say, uh, in terms of prosperity gospel understanding that you don't have to die and I can't find that anywhere and it's certainly not true in my life and so the the greatest sadness of my life has come when I refuse to let go of something that had served its time or its reason or its purpose and been faithful enough to wait for what's next and maybe age teaches you that but if you don't know to watch for that because an older person told you their story, then seems like you might miss it in a culture that says you can have it all. How do you learn to die so you can live? Well, two words that we don't use much, allowing and letting go. And I... I, you know, I don't ever hear the word allow in our culture, except when people say, you know you're not allowed to do that. And you and I talked a little bit earlier about the fact that if, if you don't allow the next thing that God's calling you to, well, then you're going to miss it because God isn't going to make you do it. I, I do. <laughs> he loves us when he just like set it up so it's all dialed in. No, because he loves us. You know, I spent, a, 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 I don't know, 40 years asking theologians I respect. I keep saying to them over and over, now tell me again about free choice. Tell me again about why we have free choice. Seems like we're messing stuff up. Tell me again why we have free choice. And it's because if you're not free to say no, you're not free to say yes. But um, the, the illusion in the West that we're in control of everything is um, such a thin veil for anybody who wants to look beyond it. It's so obvious that we're not in control. All you have to do is take a two-year-old to the grocery store to know that you're not in control. All you have to do is take a four-month-old on a walk to know that you're not in control. One of the pressures that I felt in this time is that what Suzanne just talked about is this ascending, 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 that I as a father didn't have permission. I felt this condemnation that we, all of our walks had to be great experiences, that every once in a while my son having a really rough day was not an option for me. And so this rhythm of living and dying and rising that Jesus is inviting us into is hard for us to accept, even though when we really look at our lives, this is the way that the world works. Jesus is teaching us how to live. And to fully live as Jesus intends, we must let him teach us how to allow and to let go. Now here's what we mean when we say allow. To allow is to give the necessary time and opportunity for. So to allow is not to give God permission in our lives. He doesn't need our permission. But to allow is to say yes to what God is doing and shaping us and molding us and moving us into this world as loving people, right? 
to allow is to say yes and then give all of the energy, all of the attention, all of the everything inside of us to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. You can't halfway allow. To allow is to say yes and execute that yes. To allow is to be fully present. And that's exactly where Jesus wants us. Wherever we are sent to be fully present in relationship, fully present as sent people in this world. Now, how does the Bible say this? Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all of your might, Ecclesiastes 9.10. And so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31. All of these are forms of allowing. Jesus is teaching us and saying, when you say yes to something, a thought pattern, all right, a new way of thinking, right? Stress or anxiety or a responsibility. I want you to fully say yes to that. Our job is to say yes fully and be present fully in our lives. See, when Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, his word for worry literally means to be divided. Worry robs our capacity to be 100% present in each moment, and that is exactly where Jesus wants us. So the only way that we cannot be divided is that we can learn to allow and also to let go. To let go is to release what I'm not meant to carry. To release what I'm not meant to carry. This is thought patterns. This is shame. This is unforgiveness. This is habits. This is fears. This is anxiety. And as I'm sharing this, friend, I, friends, I hope that you are allowing this to be a mirror into your life and saying, what, Jesus, are there anything is there anything in my life that I am to let go of right now? Is there anything that maybe I've picked up over this last season that I am to let go of that I'm not meant to carry? The Bible talks about this. First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Our job is to get rid of anxieties. And you know what anxieties are? They're an overdose of burdens. See, burdens aren't necessarily a bad thing, right? We all have our measure to carry, but if you overdose on them, if you take on more than is just responsible for you, right? That's when we move into anxiety. We're trying to control the world and it doesn't take much to realize that we're not in control. As Suzanne said, the greatest sadnesses of her life have been when she refused to let go of something that has served its time, reason, and purpose and have not been faithful enough to wait for what's next. This is the rhythm of all creation, creation, living, dying, and rising. And the way that you move through this process is to allow what God is pressing you, moving you into, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it doesn't feel like the right thing to do, we trust in him. And we trust in him also when he tells us to let go of something that's not working for us, that's not creating new life in us. Jesus said in John 12, 24 through 25, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Friends, this is the rhythm. Letting go of the things that aren't for us and picking up the things that are just for us. 
I know, talking to so many of you, that this season has been an easy one. We just have to go onto social media or watch the news or encounter a friend that is in their own stress and anxiety, and we heap these burdens on ourselves, and we think we're doing a good thing for that. But our job as Christ followers is to take that to the foot of Jesus, to offer it to him and say, Lord, is this mine to carry? Are all these worries and anxieties mine to carry? Will you sift through them and will you show me what's just for me? The God that knows me, that sees me, that created me. What is just for me? Friends, I pray that you would press into those questions this morning. Over this week and next week, we're going to spend some time asking those questions. What is just for me? What am I to allow you to do? What am I supposed to press in towards in my life? And what am I supposed to let go of? And next week, we're going to ask the question, when I let go of something, how do I trust you in the midst of that? How do I trust, Lord? How do I trust that when I let go of something, when it's buried, how do I trust the God that doesn't worry about the buried, that everything for him that's buried is planted? That's not true of my life. I have stress and anxiety all the time about the things I'm to let go of because if I'm honest, when I'm being my most human, um, I trust myself most. Now, when I back up from that and I get perspective, I know that that's not the case, but our role as Christ followers and the church is to come together and remind ourselves together that God is in control, that I am to die to the areas of my life that I am wanting to control. And the invitation is for you to do the same questions for you this morning. What are you carrying that you aren't meant to? How can you be fully present and participate in what God is doing inside of you? I'm asking those questions and I, I pray that you take them into your week, that you bring them with you, that you allow God to speak to you, you allow God to reveal to you what he is doing in your life. In the midst of stress and chaos, it is so easy to go numb right now, and I pray you don't. I pray you ask the questions, what will I allow, and what will I let go of? To close, I want to read a quote from one of my favorite authors to you, C.S. Lewis. At the close of his book, Mere Christianity, he says this. Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day and the death of your whole body. In the end, submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else thrown in. My friends, I'm honored to be with you this morning and to share with you. Um, we'll be back next week sharing also second part of this talk. I pray that you press into God this week. Uh, I can't wait to be with you again. I love you. We'll see you soon.